Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Vanessa and I have someone today that we've been excited to talk to for a really long time now. Um, Jamie Graber is here with us and Jamie is a mind shifter and energy mover who helps others live their best life through conversations and meditation. Welcome, Jamie. I'm so excited to hear more about this and we're both so excited to meet you. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. And I have to also say she's also an author. Because you have written a book, right? I poked around. Yeah, in like a it. previous life. Yeah, yeah in a previous your background. Life I, did. I know you used to own a restaurant. I'm also oh, a New Yorker, wow. so I actually remember that restaurant when I lived there. Um, and you're also a, a mama to a toddler. So we all have that in common. I am. I am. I remember when I asked my doctor recently, I'm like, when do they officially become a toddler? Because he's 17 months. And she's like, when he starts toddling around. I'm like, oh, so he's a toddler. <laughs> he's a toddler. Yep. I'm like, I'm like, that's the answer. She's like, yeah, when he's just like wobbling. I'm like, oh, he's been wobbling for a while. I guess he's a toddler. And my question to mine was, when do they stop being toddlers? <laughs> She's like, when do they stop? It could potentially be forever. Who knows? I, I might yeah, still be yeah. one. I guess my mom would say, yeah, forever. Right. <laughs> um, well, so, you know, it's funny. We actually have, I was just telling Danae before we got on, um, I feel like we have secondary connections because I realized that um, I think you were coaching or still are my friend, Melissa Wood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah for her. a I while. Love yeah. Love Melissa. Yep. We actually grew up together. Um, we're from the same hometown. In Syracuse? Her, yeah. Her sister was like my best friend growing up. So we actually grew up pretty close. Oh, wow. Um, she's a year older than wow, me. Wow, yeah. Wow. 
And so I like, I actually saw you through her, like she had posted something and kind of, you know, saw you peripherally. And then like, when you're full reached out about the podcast, I was like, oh, isn't that funny? Just how worlds collide yeah. in, in wellness, I suppose. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. Because yeah. we're all like in the same conversation. So we kind of, you know, which is tricky though at the same time, right? It is. You have yeah. to have outside your conversation as well. So you get in the new view and you're not just like in your own echo chamber, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but well, yeah. I'd love to hear, like, you know, we usually start off by just saying, like, tell us about you and your story. Like, what was your journey and your story that kind of brought you to who you are, where you are today? Like you said, I heard you say like, oh, my previous life. I think we, we can all, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Long Island and I never totally fit in. I was, you know, a little bit out there, went to college and was like a business major and, um, started taking philosophy class. And I was like, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, this is what I, I remember. And I, I switched majors. My dad freaked out. He's like, what are you going to do? Stand on the corner and just like ask questions <laughs> about life. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, Maybe. but this is it. And so I wound up sort of like following that, um, came into, and you know, in, in that actually in that whole expectation of like, who am I? If, is what I think I am real or is what the people are projecting on me? Because my thing is I grew up in this town that was like affluent and I was known as like very bitchy and jappy and all this stuff. But inside I'm like, no, like, I just like want to be loved. You know? <laughs> and like, it's not that, you know, and I had this always this really thing of like, people are seeing me in this one way, but like, it's so not who I am. And then like, I'm sitting studying philosophy, which was incredible for me, but also it became this really hard time at, you know, at such a young age to like really be confronting with like, what is real? Like, mm -hmm. is this idea of me real, this kind, loving person I believe I am, or am I this like jerk that they mm -hmm. all think I am, you know? And then like understanding again, as I went later on, it's like, no, I was the jerk because I thought playing cool girl protected me, but really it just kept on, you know, creating more and more and more and more. And so what happened when college from that whole, that like really inward thing that was happening for me, um, I developed a really bad eating disorder and I stopped eating basically. And it was very scary. And so I left school and um, like moved back. Like, you know, when you grow up in Long Island, it's like, you have a path. And my brother followed it perfectly. You go to college, you move into the city, you go to the Hamptons in the summer, and it's like, and then you meet your person, and then you do, and like that's how it is. And mine was like, oh my God, I'm supposed to graduate, and instead I'm living on my parents' sofa. I can't get out of bed because I'm like 85 pounds, mm. and I have no friends because they all left me because of this whole thing. And so from there was really a beautiful thing because what wound up happening was is that I was no longer in this like very like small circle of what I only knew. And so all of a sudden now I was like in my city where I should be like with all these people that were exactly like me. I had to find this own thing because I wasn't like included in it. And then from there I wound up working and moving to California because the job we did events. And so I'd be out there mm -hmm. and like one day I was in an event and I was like probably at 24 or something. And I walked it was in Santa Monica and this was like way before like, you know, like tech hit Santa Monica and Venice. So it was like very different. It was like in, I think 2000. And I wound up um, seeing like a doorman building like in the middle of Santa Monica on Ocean Avenue, if you know it. And I walk in, I'm like, do you have like short-term leases? And they're like, yeah, we have six month leases. 
And I remember calling my dad and my dad was like, I'm like, dad, I'm about to sign lease. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you have an apartment in the city. I'm like, no, I'm in LA. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, <laughs> my soul feels at home. And he's like, silent. And I knew no one in LA. And he was like, silent. And he was like, well, who am I to argue with your soul? Go. <laughs> and my mom was like, so upset. And I thought, the funny thing is, is like perspective, right? It's such an interesting thing for perspective and understanding what's happening at the time. Because my thing was like, my dad was so magical. And even though he wasn't a soul, he heard me and he saw me. When we talked about it years later, he's like, oh, no. He's like, I was like, if I tell her yes, she'll come running back in six months. If I tell her no, she'll move with that forever. He's like, it's like, it was, he's like, no, I was not being supportive in any way. Anyway, he's like, I was trying to get you here quicker, um, get you to like get out of this phase. Beautiful and he's like, and I like that. I know, it was only right? Good. I'm gonna pick that up and use that, <laughs> put it in my back pocket for later. <laughs> yeah, and so I wound up, you know, there, and I think, you know. Again, like from my understanding, like the way the subconscious mind works, it's like part of what was so clear for me is that like when I went out there, I knew no one, which meant I could be anyone, mm. you know, I didn't have all these things that represented for me who I was, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cause in New York, every street I walked past reminded me of who I've always been. And so it just kept on going deeper and deeper and deeper there. It was like, I was like in New York and like my Gucci and my Prada and doing my thing. And I went and I like landed with a surfer in Venice, barefoot on the beach and like dancing and singing. And like, it was just a complete, like, it was just a version of me, which was me, yeah. you know, but like it was, I never had the opportunity to be that because of so much stuff that was projected onto me and that I allowed sort of to be the vision in order to sort of protect myself. And so I wound up going there and I started, I did my first yoga teacher training mm -hmm. and I got to Kundalini and meditation and it kind of just started going there and my eating disorder was getting better and better and i wound up i wound up falling into raw food mm -hmm. and it was like this thing that happened for me which where i i started to get this connection between food and knowing that it's actually there to fuel you and it actually isn't this thing to be scared of or any of this kind of stuff and so i wound up in a teacher training and it was like 30 days and I realized that I had hadn't thought about food at all except for that it was raw but I wasn't thinking of limiting myself or anything like that and so being like the little bit of like compulsive person that I am I was like now that this is it mm -hmm. and I became like a full-fledged raw foodist worked in a raw food restaurant fell in love with raw food would call people who ate cooked food cookies and like <laughs> thought like you know I completely healed everything you know there was like my inner little like you know, not nice person was in there though. But I, so then I wound up, you know, really having like a healed physical body, mm -hmm. right? Because now I was no longer in this like scary weight thing and I was eating and really nourishing food. And then I wanted to move back to New York. My family's here. My brother has three kids. I didn't really know them. And I was like, let me take a quick trip. I moved back and like, I literally landed and I just knew in my soul, I called my boss at the time in LA and I'm like, I'm not coming back. I'm like, it was originally a six week sabbatical. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not coming back. I'm like, it's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And so there I randomly, like six weeks later, met my now husband who we met randomly by sitting at a bar. And I'll tell you the quick conversation when we started talking was he asked me questions and I was like, it was just like random that we're talking. And he says to me, um, and I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, 
oh, he's like, have you ever eaten here? We're at a bar of a restaurant. I'm like, oh, what is it? And I'm a raw food vegan at the time. And he's like, oh, and he's describing it's like blood and it's Scottish food. And it's like all this like meat heavy blood. And I'm just looking at him. He's like, you're vegetarian, aren't you? I'm like, I'm raw vegan. He's like, I'm the chef. <laughs> and from there, <laughs> from there, he healed me. He healed me, you know, he, he showed me that food was actually this really beautiful thing. And that like my raw, we were, I was raw for like the first nine months of our relationship. And then we went to Morocco together and it was like, well, I can't be raw in Morocco. And then like everything changed and we felt madly in love. And like, what he showed me was, you know, that food that I still was very much in a very disordered relationship with food, mm -hmm. even though it was a much healthier thing than I'd done before, but it was very much bad or good. Right. And like, it was so that. It kind of and reminds so me a little bit of like when I caught like the idea in AA of being like a dry drunk, like you, you essentially just kind of like move the addiction elsewhere or you, right. Totally. Like, like the, uh, like the tendencies and the wounding is still there, but you've just kind of shifted the focus or the attention. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and with food, it's such a tricky thing, right? Because with food, you have to deal with it every day. Yeah. Right. You know? And so like, you know, I, while I love raw food and I think it was such a healing part of my life now like my relationship with food is so i couldn't even imagined it you yeah. know but my husband being that but then i wound up opening a raw food restaurant and it was like a raw food restaurant um that we did miracle mondays which was we taught a course in miracles every monday and it was like this huge community thing that happened and you know it's funny how it all obviously lines up but basically i wound up um writing a book having all the right people write about me in the new york times about me. I didn't have any PR. Everyone like knew me and I hated it. I hated it. I hated having a restaurant. The only reason why I had a restaurant is because my husband was a chef and he mm. wasn't the chef of my restaurant, but like it was so in that conversation and he was always opening up places. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to open up a restaurant sense. when I wanted to actually open up a store originally. And like all yeah. the reasons why I didn't want to open up a restaurant is why I closed the restaurant. And I knew it from day one. It's like staffing, all that kind of stuff. And so I was doing this like thing that I loved and I really just wanted to create community. Like that's what I wanted. I wanted to be in the conversation of like healing and possibility at all times. And so somehow I decided to do a restaurant to do that. And I started having all these relationships with clients and like, you know, because they would come in and I wasn't the person who was back in the food making it. I was the one who was chatting to everyone the whole time and talking mm -hmm. and then them sitting down and a lot of them coming just to talk to me and kind of hear what I had to say and help them through. And so I started just coaching people through that. And then from there, you know, I worked with a coach and I realized how miserable I was. And it was like, okay, like, what if ginger snaps isn't it? And I was like, well, what do you mean? How dare you? And then all of a sudden, like six weeks later, I'm like, not only is it not it, but like landlord, here's the keys I'm done. And then mm -hmm. I never look at this again. And here I am years later doing what I love, you know, and working with people every day. I'm like more of a, well, on a coaching level and helping them, you know, transform their lives and know that like we can make choices that create a life beyond anything we possibly could imagine. And God, so that's what like I did speak to this idea so much of like doing things that we, that make sense or like things that we think we should do versus doing what the soul is kind of longing for and having and, to kind of and knowing through. the difference. Yes. Right. Having to stumble through the process of figuring out which is which. Yeah. And knowing that like everything could be turned to gold, you know, like yeah. I, when I look back on like ginger snaps, it was probably the hardest five years of my life, like owning mm -hmm. a restaurant in, in New York city. Yeah. Oh, oof. Oof. 
Yeah. You know, and all these amazing, you had mentioned I'm an author. I'm an author because someone called, came in and was like, I want you to write a book. Like none of these things were things I ever went after. So like on paper, you're like, all oh, these opportunities, like you mm -hmm. are supposed to be this like raw vegan restaurant person. Like this is what you're supposed to be doing. For me, what kept on happening is, is that I would, we had lots of cleanses, right? And so like people were on juice cleansers, but originally it was a food cleanse. And then you got to give the customer what they want, which became the juice cleanse, right? And the problem for me is that like what was happening is like the success of my business was very much connected to what I thought was harming people, mm. right? And I was having this like weird thing happen where it was like every time this beautiful thing happened for the restaurant, because you know, that's how you did well in the restaurant, which you got these big cleanse orders. Um, but I would see these women come in over and over and over and over yeah. again, wanting the juice cleanse, wanting the juice cleanse, wanting the flat stomach because they hadn't eaten for three days. And I was just like, this is killing me. Like, this yeah. is like, I, I, this, I don't want to do this to someone. I don't want them to think that that's how you feel good is when you haven't eaten for three days, but you've had a lot of juice, you know? Mm. And so, you know, if I was looking at the paper and sort of like the, projection once again onto me of like, no, you're successful though. Mm -hmm. like, this is successful, you know? And it was like, I had to look at that and be like, yeah, but it's like totally not filling me or feeding me or making me feel good. And knowing like, and having the, you know, I'm sure you deal with this a lot too. It's like, understand like my identity was that. And yeah. it's like one of the hardest things about like turning, closing one door is understanding that like, there's that version of you again, through projection and through what you take on that you have to put down in order to pick up something new. Mm -hmm. That's really scary. You know, that's what I did. God, you know, I'm just so struck, Jamie, by what I'm hearing is sort of like the perfection of how the path was unfolding though. Even the way that you sort of, I mean, so many things about your journey at this point. Um, but the way that you had like this, like full circle recognition, watching these women yep. not nourishing themselves. And, you know, the thing that feels like success to me up to this point is something that I sort of know that it's time for me to expand beyond because mm -hmm. a part of my healing has been, or is now becoming even more of, you yeah. know, we're, we're moving away from restricting. We're not, we're not um, like, how do we nourish ourselves in an authentic way, right? Like mind, body, and yeah. soul. Yeah. And like, and helping, like, you know, I think a lot of what I was doing also in Jersey stuff was like really trying to work with people to understand, like, we're so much more than our body. Mm -hmm. We're so much more than our body. And if we spent, like, we spend so much time, you know, trying to like get it to be something and all that energy that goes into that when we could be doing so, something so much bigger, so much grander, you know, I think about this all the time, like you'd mentioned Melissa, and like one of the things that like I love so dearly about her is, is that I think about when I grew up and like watching my mom wanting to shrink and watching my mm -hmm. mom hate her body into, you know, trying to be better and trying to be different. And like I was saying to Melissa once that like, I think about, you know, the little girls and little boys who are like watching their mom right in front of mm -hmm. them do your workouts when they're loving themselves and just and like really when you do her stuff it's like i'm working out because i love this body yeah. and not because i hate it and, and i'm doing it because it feels it. good like it's yeah. not it's not a punishment approach to working out it's like yeah. a it's a loving body a loving self approach yeah it's like yeah, she totally. made me even like when i walk on the treadmill i was saying to her once like 
I walk on the treadmill now differently and I'm like in awe of all the muscles that it mm-hmm. takes to she get this leg to move. Like who the yeah. hell thinks walking on a treadmill is fun and somehow she yeah. makes it fun. Yeah. And it's like, and it's also, it's, it's like an appreciation for yeah. this physical body that we have. And so like one of the things that like for me in the ginger snaps thing, it was like the consuming of constantly trying to like shrink ourselves with like a juice cleanse and all that kind of stuff. And and I was there, listen, I did Mm -hmm. it. I did, I was on my cleanses all the time, you know? And the irony is that I thought that I was like better than the other companies that were doing it because we did blends and we didn't do just juice and we made sure there was olive oil in it. And so like, I tried to like make it better, but it's like, you also had to give the people what they wanted. And that's when it was finally like, okay, I can't because what they want is not like an alignment with what I believe is better. You know, I always say to all of my clients in general, like, you know that you're doing good things and whatever it is that you're serving serves you and others. It has to serve both. Yeah. Right. It never should just serve one or the other. And so like for them, it was like, yes, like every time I serve them and give them what they want, I'm not really giving them what they want. Yeah. But I'm serving myself because I'm like getting my numbers that week, you yeah. know? And so it was just such a I don't even know how I got on. I don't even know how I'm talking about this. Or like, I, that's not all what I expected to be talking about. But that's how the psyche works, right? Like we just, that's what Danae and I do. We just let it go where it's going to go. And I mean, you know, it's interesting that you bring, even just like Melissa's story, we had her on as well. And, you know, she's pretty own, honest and open about her struggle with disorder eating. And what's interesting to hear both of you, right? Speak about your journey and your story. And I know Danae, you can probably speak to this as well from yours. Is It's like, you know, it's, it's the wounded healer, right? It's this idea of like, you have to go through this inner, very personal experience. And if you're able to go through that and then come out the other side, um, what the gift that you have to give people is to almost be the walking, like, um, billboard feels like the wrong word. Cause that feels aesthetic, but it's like this, this walking billboard of like the healing expansion is and possibility. Yeah. 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 Like your expansion and possibility. And I think that like one of the things, you know, like one of the good sides of social media, right. Is that you can see people and hear their stories and be like, mm-hmm. Oh, so it's not that wacky that I think this way, you know, a lot of what I work with too, let's say is like anxiety and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like knowing that it's not that weird that you're having those thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's not that weird. You know, everyone talking about like imposter syndrome and it's like, no, like everyone thinks it. Yes. Everyone thinks it. Like I'm, I'm sure you've seen like the Oprah when she talks about how like Beyonce, like was on like her stage and like did this whole, she's like, she Beyonce, she's like, and then she comes at the end of the thing and sits down next to me and says, did I do okay? Yeah. Right? She's like, Beyonce wants to know if she did okay. So if you have imposter syndrome, know that like the best of the best have it. <laughs> and it's like that understanding that like, when you see that someone has that and still was able to create something beautiful and incredible, it's like, oh, yeah. so I can doubt myself. I can sometimes like be mean to myself and think bad things and I can still create a life beyond anything I can imagine. And I can still create and do and expand and inspire, right? And so I think it's really beautiful when you see all those stories of people who are, cause we are, you know, I mean, you guys know, we're all the same. Yeah, We're all the same. We have all that same stuff going on. And like, when you watch other people do it, you're like, oh, it's possible for me too, mm-hmm. you know? I love that so much, especially as we're speaking to you about it, Jamie, because as I was listening to you tell the story of, 
you moving out to California at this very young age. And I'm like, my God, so brave, right? Mm -hmm. Like how brave was this young woman, but also the way that you were speaking about yourself in the context of a soul. Like, when do you think you came into that awareness that I am a soul? I am not just this body that I'm inhabiting. I think for me, it was like, how it always is there's always like two sides to everything so the hardest thing was in my childhood i was so different i'm like this redhead it was like before redheads were cool you know it was like it was totally also, really quick to interrupt you you use the word jappy earlier and what's funny is like that's a very northeastern saying so for those people who are listening that don't know what that means can you give the acronym really quick um, it's guys, it's now it sounds terrible. Like I don't want to get in trouble for saying it, but it's like Jewish American princess. Right. But I was... think it's important actually that you say it because if they, people don't yes. know that there's actually people say this in the Northeast, like it is a definition. And I'm they probably Syracuse. don't say it as much. They no, probably not say... as much. It's, I think it's definitely a generational shift, but in Syracuse, the, the conversation was always around, oh, it's a, the Syracuse university. It was like a lot of right. Jappy girls. And so I grew up hearing that. So when you said it, just a conversation, I was like, I should probably stop you at some point and have you explain. What? Yes. Yeah. So, so it's not a great term. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, right? continue redhead. But, but it was a very cool. normal term, but like in, um, now I totally forgot what I was saying with that. You were saying though. you were, you were very different growing oh, up. Oh, so I was very different, like, because like, I was like in like the popular group, but like not really included mm -hmm. in it. And so like, it always felt different. There was, I talk about this in like my coaching program where there was a day where like I was in summer camp and we went to, um, flagpole and everyone was wearing red and it was Jamie Graver day and they were all making fun of me. And like, that was allowed. I'm like, that would never happen today. I'm like th that the, the lawsuits of what would have happened, but there it was like, you just took it. And so I think because I was always in this, like sort of like awareness of my difference between mm -hmm. everyone else that I would go. And like my aunt, who is like such an interesting character in my life, um, she would give me these worry dolls at like 12 and she would tell me like, just to tell them what I'm worried about, you know, and put them underneath my pillow every single night. And I'm like, but I need more of them. And she's like, you could tell each one. Two <laughs> I need things. a village. <laughs> she's like, you could tell them multiple things. It's not just one for, for doll. And I'm like, okay. And so it became this whole thing. And my mom used to tell me that like I, she's like, from a young age, I don't know what it was. She's like, you would get these crystals and you would get salt water and you'd put them by the window in the kitchen. And if anyone touched them, you would freak out. And she's <laughs> like, and you just, she's like, and you would try to light them on fire and you would do that. She's like, I'm you picturing you're like Jewish, like Long Island family being like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> Yeah, because my mom was all for the Jappy, you know, like she yeah. liked that part of me, like she liked the spoiling that was like to her like the thing and, and you know my brother I love him dearly but like he literally is like he went to Wharton, he graduated, he moved to the Upper West Side, <laughs> yep. he went to the Hamptons in the summer, met his wife, you know, I, I love, love her dearly, but like she goes to Soul Cycle, you know, like, and they're amazingly <laughs> happy, you know, and they're amazingly happy. They're living within the kind of structure that, you know, is expected in a way. Yeah, and 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 they never like needed to do something differently. And yeah. I and the funny thing is like, my brother had red hair too, but he didn't have the same struggles as me. He was at the same camp. It wasn't, Jay, it wasn't John Graber Day. It was Jamie Graber day. Right? <laughs> and it was like, I, and so he didn't like, he was, he never had like a lot of the friction that I did. And so while it was like so hard and like, I had kid, I had Porter obviously very later in life and he, 
part of it was, is that like my childhood, I think for me, was like so hard because of how it felt that I just didn't want to have a kid because I didn't want them to have to go through all the pain that I went through. Mm. And then now, you know, you know, it was really when I got very deep into my practice that it became very clear, like, oh, I could do it differently. I can open up in him into any possibility for him and like hold that constantly and always and like hope that I do that. And I'm sure I'll mess him up. I'm sure he'll be in therapy, but I'll do my best to make sure that I, I at least do my best, <laughs> you know? But, you know, it's funny because for me, I think that that's sort of where I always knew that there was something, I don't know that I would have known it was a soul back then, but I was very connected to spirit. And like, I would always say it's like over there, there's yeah. something else over there that I'm connecting with, that I'm working with, that sort of guides me to do these weird things that I do. Don't you and find, though, too, that like a lot of kids are like that and they just, it's like we we program it out of them in a way. And so many children, right, when you watch them just like totally stand back, don't get involved. I mean, they're all so connected to nature. They're all so connected to source. They're all so connected, right? And well, you and know the story. Us. Yeah, you know, there's so much of the thought on that, which I really believe, which is like they are still able to connect. If you want to go super woo, right? It's like they're yeah, able the to woo. still connect to yeah. the other side because they're so close to it. And mm -hmm. and what happens is, is that we beat that out of them. Yeah, the right? they and get we away. We, yeah, we've. Forget like, you know, I went through a lot to be, go to get pregnant. And what I learned was it's a freaking miracle that any of us are alive. The amount of things that have to go right <laughs> in order for you to be on this planet is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And so it's like we, the more we, the older we get, the more like in society and structure we get, the quicker it is to forget the magical beings that we are. Mm. And the fact that we're miracles and it's like, he still remembers he's a miracle. He still remembers the stars and the lights and all the things that like, are like, woo. And it's like, we wind up getting, you know, I always say like the perfect balance, right? Is, is that you have to be able to be like grounded enough where you could like push into the ground so you can reach for the stars, mm. right? So you have to be in both places. And I yes. think that the problem is, is that we get so earthly mm -hmm. that we forget about the stars. You know, and I think that like the hope is, is that, you know, what I try to do with people is like, just have, and you can't just be in the stars either, because then, you know, right. you're not, we are earth beings. And so right. we want to make, you know, use of the time on, in this planet. And so it's like having the, the, the two of them working together is what we want. And so like my hope, you know, for Porter is, is that like, you know, in, in Connecticut for our house in Connecticut, like my husband's really mad at me because all I want is I want it to be like, all black but stars everywhere so he's just like in the universe and well it's just like that's like a really dark room for a child i'm like but it'll be like all these stars and he's like but it won't and it'll be weird oh God, and ironically he's like let's just do like a big forest i'm like yeah but that's like really earth i'm like i'm like i just don't want him to just think about the earth I'm like, it's amazing how we find each other though because you two sound like the quintessential like the opposites attract you know the totally. way that we i mean the way that we challenge each other all the things <laughs> well yeah and that was like what we were saying at the beginning of the conversation it's like you want to make sure that you're not just sitting in conversation with the people who are agreeing with everything that you right. think because he, like I said yes to him when we first started dating, um, because I was like, I was engaged when I lived in LA and like I blew that off and then like I moved in with like the 19 year old model and like live with him and I'm like, why don't I just date? There's something called dating. Like, let's see what that would look like. And I moved back to New York and I'm like, I'm gonna say yes to every single person. I don't care who it is, I'm saying yes. And I'm just gonna like Danae, not to this? move in. <laughs> 
you saw my eyebrows raise. I'm like, I know. That's why I said, I'm like, are you listening to this? <laughs> and I wound up going and saying yes to him. Like, listen, like I'm nine years older than him. He is like, you know, the furthest thing from Jewish, you know, grew up in like Dallas, went to like finishing school where like I ate like paper plates. He like, you know, uses proper like silverware, you know, it's like I'm screaming. I'm like the loudest person in the room and he's like super reserved. I'm a Scorpio insanity. He's a calm Virgo. Like they're literally like we are so different and I've become the most incredible version of myself because two things, the things I'm super passionate about, like I'm super spiritual and he's like, prove it. Prove, if you prove it, I'm there. He's like, but if you can't prove it, I can't do it, right? And so for me, it's like the things that he, we really disagree about, I actually get to believe even more so in because I'm like, even in you coming up against it, not agreeing with you, I'm still full in awareness that yeah. I'm a magical being <laughs> and that like magic exists. I'm full oh aware God. of it, right? And then there's all like speaking today's things. language. Yeah. And then there's also a thing with like where food, you know, yeah. has totally changed. And like, just even the fact that like, you know, I grew up in a home, like, you know, the Seinfeld's parents, we scream and then like, you know, it's insanity. And then two seconds later, everyone's calm um, and it's all good. And he's like very reserved, you know, like you don't talk like that. Mm, we don't do that. And so from that now, he actually has learned to actually speak about his feelings. Mm -hmm. And then I've learned to talk and not scream, you know? <laughs> and so it's like that it's never would happen that. if I married my mirror, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I think that like, I love um, anyone who's dating, who's listening to this, go on a two month thing of saying yes to every single person. Because like, oh, there's so many magical heard. beings out there. <laughs> you I heard. The but you got to leave your house, Danae, Miss Introvert. <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you this. My mom used to say this to me all the time. Uh, so since you're dating, my mom would say all the time is that like, <laughs> if you want something, you have to show the universe that you want it, mm. right? And so there, it's not going to knock on your door and it could knock on your door, but only if you've already signaled to it that that is what you want. So I always say to everyone, go on the apps, not because it means that you have to meet your person on the app, but it means that you're conversing with the universe, which we're always doing saying, I want this yeah. and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get this because yeah. we can have anything that we want if we're willing to do whatever we need to do to get it. Yeah. Right? I used to tell my and clients, so like, means... it's like cracking the window. Like you got to crack the window because you can't keep it sealed and be like, I just don't understand why they're not coming in. Like yeah. why there's no breeze. And it's like, well, it's because your fucking window is shut. Like you got to yeah. crack it at least, you know? And the truth is, is that you wind up like, and you do it lightly. It's like when I went out with my husband the first time, like it was the first like eight months, we were like completely casual. Like literally like being like, I would never date you, dude. I would never date you. And here we are married, yeah. you know, 11, I think 12 years we're celebrating something like that now, you know? And it's like, it, it never would have happened because again, if you think about the way the subconscious mind works, it's like, I'm creating from what I've already seen happen for me. And none of that has worked it out. Yes. And so I keep on pulling it back in over, over and over and over again. And I wonder why it's not changing. And it's like, well, if I trust that there's something bigger outside of me and I make choices with that trust, right? I can be led to a place more magical than anything I could have imagined, you know? And if you ever read about my like fertility story, like it's all about that. It's like, you don't have to know exactly how it's going to happen, but you have to know that you'll do anything it takes to get there. And like, I'll say this too. I think love is the most important thing in the world. I think we're all here to love. And that is loving our friends, loving our family and loving our partner, you know, whatever that looks like or multiple partners. And I think that um, we protect ourselves and it's so easy to like stay inside and to stay isolated. But 
one thing that we all know from what we know, we have one time here, mm -hmm. right? And we don't really want to spend it watching Netflix. Sometimes we do, but we don't want to spend it the whole time because yeah. people are annoying and people are amazing. Right. And so you want to experience it. And even in the relationships that don't work out, there's so many beautiful moments and times and lessons from it. And if we have that relationship with dating, it takes all this pressure off of thinking like every time I date, I have to find the one when instead like find a list of places that you want to go. Are you in, I see a surfboard in your background. Where are you? Are you in on the West We're both Coast? In LA. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Jealous. <laughs> okay. So for example, like you feel like a bunch of hikes that you want to go to, or a bunch of things that you want to do. And instead of making it like, oh, I need to go, I need to find the man of my dreams and like, or woman of my dreams. And I need to do this. It's like, instead I want to go on this. Let me just find someone on app who wants to go with me mm -hmm. and let's go have an experience together. And let's not make it about us doing something, you know, huge together, like building a life. Let's just like go on this hike mm -hmm. and let it be that. And then who knows, maybe all of a sudden that winds up being the one. Who knows? And so for my, when I moved back to New York, my experimentation with just saying yes was like, what would it be like to meet people who are like, would never even be something I would think of. Mm -hmm. And I wound up like learning so much about myself and expanding who I was and then marrying this person who makes me insane. Don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> I would literally talk to like my best friend works with me and I'll literally be like, okay, if I murder him, are you going to help me get the body away? I'm like, just tell me now. I'm like, like are you, you talking to today? <laughs> but also, like how much are you a so friend? Challenging. Like, come mm -hmm. on. Like, how much are you a friend? Like, let's exactly. Let's test exactly. The friendship here. <laughs> but you know, and so it's like, but it's like, so it's not even like I have this like perfect relationship. He like literally makes me nuts, but it's so I'm such a better version of me. I'm such mm -hmm. a more interesting version of me. And it's because I said yes to someone who never in a million years would have been someone I normally would have said yes to. And the only way I was able to is because it wasn't like I was saying yes, because I thought he was the potential of my life partner. Yes. And I think that's where people kind of do weird things with mm -hmm. dating is that they Too like pressure. Yeah, there's so much pressure. And then there's so much projection, mm -hmm. you know, so much mm. projection. So you go out there. <laughs> Yes. And I feel like I, I need to practice what I preach more. I sort of allow myself to be content with Vanessa being me into my hearing a little bit too much, I think, but I do wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. And I think I lead singlehood groups where I say something very similar, right? Like, how do we just be curious about meeting people? I just am such an introvert that I tend to be in my house um, meeting people through screens, but you're right. I, you know, and I think that it's also, it's like when we say that we're introverts who were like really into meeting someone through a screen, it's like, or that's just what we're used to. Mm. Right. See, I so talk a lot about this idea of like the, like, right. Jung talks about in, introversion, extroversion. It's, it's more about like in um, inferior functions, meaning yes, it's great to understand this is how I am and this is how I show up in the world. But when Jung created those terms, he was really doing it in a way to say, understand what your inferior function is as well so that you can lean into the discomfort of then strengthening that inferior function. It wasn't to then say like, well, this is how I am and this is just how I'm going to be right now. So we're doing that tonight, but, but it is, listen, yeah. I, you know, I push you. I tell me you. this often. So yes, but it's the <laughs> same thing that I will say with people when they talk about like astrological signs, right. right. Or even human design or any of that. I'm always like, I'm a Scorpio. So that doesn't mean that I get to stay a hot headed, jealous lunatic my whole life. It right. means 
these are some things I really got to work on, mm-hmm. right? I always teach about the moon cycles. And part of it is, is like with each moon, there's different aspects of that are brought up by the different signs. And so like everyone, whether you're that sign or not during each full moon, sort of like that version, that aspect of you where you need to heal is brought, like the light is shown on it, right? And so it's like, so everyone during, let's say a Scorpio full moon is having a notice of maybe like where they might have more, more jealousy, where they might do these things that are irrational. And like, how can I then speak to it so that I can notice it and then come to a place of choice, right? Instead of, because mm-hmm. like when we say like, this is how I am, well, no, that's the reactionary pattern that you are. It's not mm-hmm. who you are, mm-hmm. you know? That's what feels and normal. I think that that's, you know, one of the things is that like we are so habitual. And it's like, I always say to clients too, it's like, you're saying you're that way because it's familiar, yeah. but you're not happy and it's not living and you're not getting what you want. And so, are you going to keep on collapsing into that version of you? Or are you going to say like, well, what if I experiment and for the next month choose differently, choose, mm-hmm. say, this is what I normally would do. And now I want to choose differently and right. just see for one month playing with that. Like, what could that look like? What could that feel like? How could life be my aunt? So my, my lovely aunt, so my aunt and her, we have like a very intense relationship because she never had children and she kind of, um, she like worked in rock store and like rock music. She like grew up in the, she like, you know, was young in the city and then moved to Florida and like this beautiful, incredible woman. And, you know, she never had kids and she never got what she actually wanted. And so she and I have had friction because my mom is the complete antithesis of her. Mm -hmm. And so she would always look at me and be like, Oh, but if like, you were my daughter, like you would have been all, and I probably would have been this very similar to who I am now because she is so much of that part of me, but we've had friction. And because I'm also the girl who like loves the Celine bag. I love them both, you know, like that's, <laughs> and you can love them both, you yeah. know. But one of the things I recently saw her in Florida a few weeks ago, and we were sitting down and talking. She's like, you know, I do a lot of your moon stuff. She's like, and I was looking and I looked back onto like her old journals that she found. And she used to do um, morning pages, right? Julie Cameron's morning pages. For those of you who don't know, it's like the idea that as soon as you wake up, you just write three pages and it's just like a subconscious dump, whatever came from like dreamland. So you can sort of understand your inner stuff. And it's like very free flow. And I do it with clients all the time, but she was telling me that she would do this. And what she realized, she's like, from looking into your workshops and doing that kind of stuff, she's like, I realized that like, I wrote all these things I wanted, Mm. but I never took any of the steps to do anything about them. And so while I had a great life and she did have a great life and she's having a great life, she's like, you know, Mm -hmm. more social than I am, but she, and she's happy, but like she said to me, she's like, I didn't get what I wanted because even though I would write it down and know it's what I wanted, I didn't know. She's like, I love what you're doing because you're telling someone now look at it Mm -hmm. and now what are you doing? to make that happen. This is so much of what we see in therapy though. I mean, I, I find so often that people expect therapy to fix their problems. They expect therapy to find them a man. They expect therapy to solve, right? The inner turmoil. And it's like, no, the purpose of therapy, you know, is to hold a mirror and maybe help you see the patterns and help you see things in a way that you wouldn't have been able to articulate yourself. I can't do the work for you. Right. It's like my partner, John always says, it's like, it's 50% revelation. Yeah, me too. 50, and he also drives me crazy, right? 50% revelation, not. 50% action. Like yeah. revelation's only half. It's only 50%. If that were a test, you'd fail. Yeah. You know? So you got to do the other half. 
And I say that all the time to everyone. It's like, you know, part of like, so like my work, right, is like similar in a sense, like there's always going to be a conversation because you have to have that cognitive understanding mm -hmm. of what's happening. But then also we have to understand that like something has to happen on the subconscious level mm -hmm. because otherwise our, like our habits and our patterns and our ideas of ourselves is too stuck, right? Because mm -hmm. the subconscious mind is leading. And so I have to do some work, which is why I think meditation is so important, especially connected to that conversation of change and transformation, because it's like, I need these seeds to not just go in on this level. I have to have them go where my patterns and where my habits are stored so that I can start doing different things. Right. And then part of it mm -hmm. also is like with an awareness from a therapist, from a meditation practice, from a, just a quiet practice, whatever that looks like is like, Oh, that's where I'm doing that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, you'd be like, Oh, that thing that Vanessa says I do when I stay and I hide inside, I'm doing <laughs> that right now. It's like, okay, is that going to lead to what I want? No, cause I'm clear of what I want. So even though I don't want to leave right now, I'm going to go and I might just go to air one and I might just like, you know, go and just put a smile on my face and see if I can just smile at anyone. And maybe that's my whole activity that day. Mm -hmm. Right. But at least I'm taking these like earthly steps that are like, yes, like that would be much more connected to the outcome that I want versus me being like, oh, that's just me. I, I just say in. That's what I do. I say mm -hmm. in. Right. I love what you're saying so much because I feel She's like, like, and I want to shake you. I'm doing a blast. Like, <laughs> I'm like, and now I think I believe the universe speaks to us through people. So thank you, universe, for sending Jamie to speak to me on this note because I feel like so often when I'm working with single women, for instance, I will sort of feel like so much of, you know, our left brain masculine energy of like, no, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to conquer and I'm going to figure out how I'm going to find my man. And I'm like, I don't know. I think there are some things in life that work that way. I don't know if love is that way. I think it's a little bit of more of you receive who you are meant to receive in terms of, you know, connection and partnership. But I love what you're saying about sending these messages to the universe that you're open by sort of, you know, looking at what you want and saying, here's way I'm going to signal to the universe that yes, I am open to this. I'm not attempting to control it. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the space of thinking I'm going to figure it out, but I'm open to receiving. And here's the, the nudge to show that I'm open. Right. Yeah. And I think you're right. Cause I think especially a lot of like entrepreneurial or even just like any type of successful woman, um, or anyone looking for partnership, not even just staying in woman. It's like, because you often have a like a path and you've done well in it and it is more of that forcing masculine energy um where you think that if i shine it on this way i can so it's like let me get on the apps but it's like i'll say to everyone like it's not let me get on the apps it's like oh let me also like i can try to get on the apps and i can mm -hmm. try to do this and i can like let it be i say to people so like sage your phone like do like have a beautiful ritual around being on it and mm -hmm. like soften because like as you said with the feminine like in the feminine energy like if i'm like this i'm really really constricted because i'm like go 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 and if i'm looking for a relationship and i want it it's like i have to be in some kind receive. of receive mode mm -hmm. right and so like i can't be controlling i can take actions and surrender right mm -hmm. so like you're doing those two things at the same time yeah. where it's not like you have to have a date lined up every day it's not like we're saying like i think it's like creatively looking at all the different ways of possibility and being like god universe spirit whatever you call it you know um show me mm -hmm. and i'm going to take some earthly actions and i'll let you whatever one you think is the way it's supposed to be is how it will be mm -hmm. you know and I, and i'm just in trust but i am willing to participate in the process yeah.
the participation because it can't get dumped on your door you know like maybe but like here's the thing like i believe that like maybe like it literally could be like some person knocks on your door and they were supposed to go to your neighbor and it's like this is like they can land on your door so like i used to say it to my mom all the time like i believe in magic so like they could land on my door mm -hmm. like they literally could knock on my door um so i actually think they can knock on your door i think the difference <laughs> is is that like they'll only knock on your door if you've been super open with the universe and in that thing. And then again, also subconsciously and really implanting, I'm open, I want it, I'm willing to do what it takes to get there so that those things sort of line up. Because mm -hmm. I feel like that's how the magic lines up is when we allow the subconscious mind to sort of like draw all of it in, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? And so you still have to be taking these small actions and then guess what? They still can wind up on your doorstep on some random yeah. thing, you know? Oh. It doesn't have to be on an app. Tammy, we could talk to you all day. I could like let you, I could let you go go on and on with Janae about this. I'm sitting here enjoying every second. Perfectly. <laughs> all right. Well, we have a lightning round of questions that we have uh -oh. for uh -oh. Uh -oh. So um, the first question, Jamie, is who have been your greatest mentors, teachers, people that have impacted you along your path the most up to this point? Oh my God, so many. Um, ironically, it would be my husband. He is my greatest teacher, without a doubt. He is my greatest teacher. Um, that would be in like the true sense, like he really is my greatest teacher, but other people who I love are Gabby, who also is one of my dearest friends, who I met at Gender Snaps as well. Um, so that'd be Gabby Bernstein. Um, Guru Jagat is, was my Kundalini teacher. And so I have mixed feelings on her, but she taught me so much about how, so much about myself that I love. And she also taught me so much about how not to be. And so mm -hmm. even though like, she's actually a teacher that, I have mixed feelings about so much of what she taught me makes me so much better just from learning how I didn't want to be. So that's, yeah. so those are probably my most powerful teachers. I would say those three people. Mm, yeah. I like that. And my mom. Yeah. And mom. Let's throw mom and in mom. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So the next question is what are you doing when you find yourself in a state of flow? So what is flow for you? You know, that thing that you could be doing and you blink your eyes and hours have gone by. Breathing. Mm. Really just breathing. <laughs> Um, breathing and like being present, you know, I think that's really when I know I'm in my flow, when I'm like in that moment. Mm, yeah. That. And what breaks your heart? Watching people in pain and not being able to help them get out of it. Mm, I feel that one. And then the last one is, and this is good because we've talked a lot about this topic. What is your favorite food? French fries. Oh, so quick. <laughs> French fries, I will say French fries and anything, I'll quickly tell you like anything potato related. And the irony is, is that when I was in my like raw food phase, I was like, I will never eat anything bad again. And one of my high school friends was like, what about a French fry? I'm like, never a French fry. I eat French fries multiple times a week. I love French fries. And ironically, like I joke that like I've never eaten, met a potato I don't love. And when I first met my husband, because I was raw vegan and he was like this chef, they would call him meat and potatoes, right? And they're like, hey, you going out with meat and potatoes tonight? And so he became potato. And so for the first like five years of our relationship, I would call him potato. Oh <laughs> I, I've, I've since like left it. And his, his like little email address is like potato at gmail.com. Oh my God, it's so good. So yeah, it would be a potato. <laughs> yeah. I love socks. I'm obsessed. Well, I do want people to know like how they can connect with you. So I see, you know, I know that you have this program called shift. I know that you mm -hmm. like, I saw that maybe you like had stopped doing it for a while. You kind of brought it back. So tell people that are listening, like, how can they work with you? How can they find, what is your program about? 
Okay, so we have, so there's a few, there's two different ways you can work with me. Shift is, we opened it again. So it's like my group coaching program where we meet weekly for these lives. And this is actually the last year we're going to do it live. Um, so it'll be a lot, a lot less live interaction with me. But now it's like this really cool thing because it's this blend of group coaching, but like, like you write into Christina and she like creates a doc and like, I see everything that you want to talk about. And then I develop, it's not like my module one, module two, it's like right. much more open. And it's like, okay, what do you want to talk about? This is what we're going to talk about. So we had like four, you know, thing, four workshops just on relationship. And what we do is we spend time in meditation, whether it be breath work and Reiki or um, Kundalini, those are kind of things. And like, we work with that every single time so that we're working on the conscious level and the subconscious level so that we can have like the lasting change. And so like, that's my shift. shift um, I do very, 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 very limited one-on-ones. Um, and like you would have to be in shift as the container mm -hmm. for that. And then we also have, which we're just starting to open up differently, but I used to have these moon workshops that were done and now we're just doing it as a moon subscription. Because again, like just working with moons is like one of the most powerful <laughs> things you can do because of all the intention that yeah. happens with every full and new moon. It's like with every new moon, I am putting in all my intentions and with every, um, with every new moon, I'm doing that with every full moon, I have to make space, right? Because there has to be something in it. So I have to find out what I need to release so that those intentions can keep going in. And so I have like a moon club that kind of works with um, oh, that. that energy that you do with every single month. Oh my so God. I will be um, seeking your moon club. <laughs> <laughs> And so you're on, you're on Instagram as organically Jamie, your website's on the Instagram same. Is organically Jamie yep. and my website is organicallyjamie.com. Yeah. Awesome. This is going to convince you to come back because we want you to talk some more about motherhood and that whole journey. I feel like that was the fastest hour ever. And you were yeah. such, a I know we wanted to connect on that too. Just like this idea of motherhood and like what that was like for you when you knew, cause I know that you, it wasn't always something that you kind of thought was on your, yeah. on your journey. So and I would love to talk about we'll that. We'll have to have you come back. Cause people. that's a, that's a big Yeah. One. Cause you want to remind people one last note is, is that like, it's never too late or whatever. Yeah. Even motherhood. It's never too late. Never too mm. late. Such a good end you, Jamie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really, really, I, I love this. This was like, I was not looking forward to it because I'm so tired because I haven't slept because of my little one, but like, I'm, I loved it. This just gave me life and energy and it felt very in flow. It felt very in flow. Same. I know. All of a sudden I was like, oh my God, it's been an hour. <laughs> it was the fastest hour ever. That felt like five minutes. Thank you. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.